Hey everybody, Steve here. I have a brand new bleg for you, and here's why. Do you know what a bleg is? It's a blog bag. In case you didn't know, give it some context. But it's a podcast, so maybe it should be called a padeg. Anyway, let's stop that right now. So here's the deal. Last week, we applied for our 501c3 status. We filed the paperwork. It's official. It's in. It hasn't been processed yet, but we have every reason to believe that it will go through. And what this means for you is donations made on or after October 28th should be tax deductible once the uh, application is approved. So this is a big deal because we're doing this fall push trying to raise $30,000 thanks to an incredibly generous donation from the Fraser Family Foundation of $10,000. Yes, that's right, $10,000. We are now almost halfway to our goal. We are just shy of $14,000 raised since we started our campaign last month. Please, please, please hit our donate page and give us a contribution. Help us to fund and grow 1 Peter 5. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the 1 Peter 5 podcast, episode 10. On today's episode, a rallying cry for Catholics to defend their faith from enemies, not just outside, but within. Also, an interview with someone a bit out of the ordinary, someone adversarial. Could it be Satan? You have no idea how many things started out in hell. Puns, not least among them. Also, Snuggies, Zamfir, <laughs> Ho-Hos, Pathios. This could wind up being the weirdest podcast yet. All this and more, coming up next. Rebuilding Catholic Culture, Restoring Catholic Tradition. Cardinals, bishops, priests, Catholic families, Catholic young people have to say to themselves, I refuse to conform to the neo-pagan spirit of this world. Even when this spirit is spread by some bishops and cardinals, I will not accept their fallacious and perverse use of holy divine mercy and of new Pentecost. I refuse to throw grains of incense before the statue of the idol of gender ideology, before the idol of second marriages, of concubinage. Even if my bishop would do so, I will not do so. With the grace of God, I will choose to suffer rather than betray the whole truth of Christ on human sexuality and on marriage. These are the words of a man who was born in Kyrgyzstan. Formerly known as Kyrgyz, SSR, it's one of the many little tiny countries that used to make up the Soviet Union. Countries that I would be willing to wager not many of us could find on a map, myself included. As a young boy, the man who spoke these words received his first Holy Communion in hiding in the underground church because the practice of the Catholic faith was against the law. 
This is how he described that experience in his own words. He led me to the First Holy Communion. It, is, it was secretly, and we received. It was for us so uh, uh, great, the Holy Communion. So great. For me as a child, we had to kneel down. Uh, we were aware here, here, here is God with his majesty, sanctity, but also with his love, of course. Yeah. It is all together. We cannot separate the love and the sanctity of God. And, and in fact, too, just to, so folks remember, <coughs> for you as a little boy to receive Holy Communion, to be even go to church, was against the law. Yes. And then when we traveled to Germany, I remember when we said farewell to our Holy Father Pavlovsky, he told us a thing what was for us a shock. I remember. He told us, be aware, when you will go to Germany, there are some churches, 73, there are some churches where they distribute the Holy Communion in the hand of the people. And we said, Father, it is impossible. Uh, we were shocked. I was as child shocked. It was impossible for me. How it is possible in such a mm, banal manner, such as a cake, to, um, uh, yes, to, to manage our Lord. To, it was for me as child and for my mother and for all, we were astonished. And he, he consoled us, but only in some places. Please not enter these churches. And we promised our holy saint priest, oh yes, Father, we will not go to these churches. And then we arrived in Germany, and the first church we entered to Holy Mass, all first, all, almost all the people received in the hand. We were shocked. Then my mother said to us, children, we will never go to this church. But this was a city, there were only four Catholic churches. Then we went to the next church, the same. <coughs> next Sunday, we went to the next, the third church, the same situation. And then to the last church, the same situation. And when I remember when we came home from, the, from this last church, my mother began to weep. How they make, what they make with our Lord, so superficially. We could only to weep. And this profoundly um, impressed my soul as child already. When he said that his priest was a saintly priest, it wasn't merely a pious expression. The priest who administered First Holy Communion to this young boy was named Father Alexa Zariski. Father Alexa would later die a martyr in a Soviet concentration camp. He was beatified by Pope John Paul II in 2001. Imagine that experience. Imagine practicing your faith in a country where doing so could very likely lead to imprisonment, 
or worse. Imagine the effect that persevering in the faith under such circumstances would have on a small child. How important the Eucharist must have appeared to a small boy who knew that just going to receive it could mean death. How much love for God must his parents have had to not only risk that for themselves, but their children? Is it any wonder, when the stakes were that high, that he speaks of weeping when he and his family saw our Eucharistic Lord treated so poorly by those who receive him with irreverence? This boy became a man. And the man became a priest. The priest became a bishop. The man who issued the rallying cry I read to you at the beginning of the show is none other than Bishop Athanasius Schneider. A bishop who, like his namesake Saint Athanasius of Alexandria, seems to be virtually alone against the world. Bishop Schneider, who so loves the Eucharist and so loves Christ in that sacrament that it seems his entire priesthood has been about promoting and preserving the reverence for the blessed sacrament that was instilled in him by his saintly pastor. And now he's once again defending our Eucharistic Lord from sacrilege. Now It's not just the sacrilege that comes from communion in the hand and the stealing of hosts and the diminishment of reverence because we're taking God like common food or because the particles which contain his body, blood, soul, and divinity are being trampled underfoot because particles fall from the host. It's why we use patents, why priests use patents. It's why communion is distributed onto the tongue, not into your hand where particles can fall. Because each tiny particle contains our Eucharistic Lord whole and entire. And so, as those particles fall, he is trampled underfoot by his own faithful in his own church. And now this sacrilege that Bishop Schneider is fighting comes from bishops and cardinals who promote the idea of giving Holy Communion to those living in obvious, persistent, grave sin through adulterous marriages and other violations of the Sixth Commandment. In no uncertain terms, Bishop Schneider, who predicted back in May that the synod on marriage and family could lead to an interior split in the church between those who are faithful to the faith of their baptism and the integrity of the Catholic faith and those who are assuming the spirit of the world. He predicted that those who are faithful to unchanging truth may even be persecuted by those who are in power within the church. He said that there are clergy who accept today the spirit of the pagan world on morality and the family. But these have the audacity to declare themselves Catholics and faithful to the Pope. He said that these clergy will go so far as to declare those who are actually faithful to the Catholic faith or those who are promoting the glory of Christ in the liturgy, extremists. You may have heard this before. You may have heard it in your own life. He said this 
five months before the synod. And so when the synod happened, what did we see? Well, we saw exactly what he predicted. We saw a split. It happened almost immediately between the orthodox and the heterodox bishops. And sadly, the latter category was in the majority. Language was inserted into an official church document that was unprecedented in its deviation from permanently held truth. There was a final speech from the Pope in which he seemingly attempted to play both sides against the middle. In that speech, the Pope warned against certain things that he described as temptations. One of those temptations was, he said, a temptation to hostile inflexibility. That is, wanting to close oneself within the written word. Here he speaks of the letter of the law. And not allowing oneself to be surprised by God, the God of surprises. Within the law, within the certitude of what we know, and not of what we will still need to learn and achieve. From the time of Christ, the Pope said, it is the temptation of the zealous, of the scrupulous, of the solicitous, and of the so-called today traditionalists, and also of the intellectuals. To this assessment, Bishop Schneider, that apostle of the Blessed Eucharist, issued a direct and forthright response in his interview this week with the Polish magazine Polonia Christiana. He said, What is still aggravating is the fact that such bishops try to legitimize their infidelity to Christ's words by means of arguments such as pastoral need, mercy, openness to the Holy Spirit. Moreover, they have no fear and no scruples to pervert in a Gnostic manner the real meaning of these words, labeling at the same time those who oppose them and defend the immutable divine commandment and the true non-human tradition as rigid, scrupulous, or traditionalist. During the great Arian crisis in the 4th century, the defenders of the divinity of the Son of God were labeled intransigent and traditionalist as well. St. Athanasius was even excommunicated by Pope Liberius, and the Pope justified this with the argument that Athanasius was not in communion with the Oriental bishops who were mostly heretics or semi-heretics. St. Basil the Great stated in that situation the following, Quote, only one sin is nowadays severely punished, the attentive observance of the traditions of our fathers. For that reason, the good ones are thrown out of their places and brought to the desert. End quote. Further, Bishop Schneider characterized the synod in exactly the terms that a saint who truly loves God and the church would, as you would expect, use. He says, in the sections of the document on homosexuality, sexuality, and divorced and remarried with their admittance to the sacraments, the text represents a radical neo-pagan ideology. This is the first time in church history that such a heterodox text was actually published as a document of an official meeting of Catholic bishops under the guidance of a pope even though the text had only a preliminary character. Such a synod document, even if only preliminary, is a real shame. 
and an indication to the extent the spirit of the anti-Christian world has already penetrated such important levels of the life of the church. This document, he said, will remain for future generations and for the historians a black mark which has stained the honor of the Apostolic See. What is the Apostolic See? It is the seat of Peter. The interview with Bishop Athanasius must not, cannot be mistaken for anything other than a warning to Rome and to Pope Francis himself. Stop playing games with the truth. Do not abandon the holy Catholic faith. Bishop Schneider has seen what happens firsthand in a society that shuns our Lord and his truth, who knows the importance of living the faith when the forces of the world are conspiring to snuff it out. And he's drawn a line in the sand. He has planted a flag for Christ. It appears to me that this is a hill he thinks is worth dying on. He also made it a point to thank Catholic journalists and bloggers who have, as he put it, behaved as good soldiers of Christ and drew attention to this clerical agenda of undermining the perennial teaching of our Lord. I have to tell you, for those of us who have spoken out about these things, this is very encouraging because we've been accused of sowing discord of undermining the papacy, of losing our faith in Christ's promise to the church, and even of leading others into scandal and, and away from the faith. But St. Athanasius, who stood alone against the church like his humble but courageous bishop that was named after him, was excommunicated by the Pope for holding fast to the truth and whose followers struggled even to find church buildings that they could use for worship that were not already occupied by heretics. This first Athanasius consoled us 16 centuries ago in a letter that he wrote to the confused and dispirited Catholics of the time. Catholics who are facing much the same crisis that we are today. May God console you he wrote, What saddens you is the fact that others have occupied the churches by violence, while during this time you are on the outside. It is a fact that they have the premises. But you have the apostolic faith. They can occupy our churches, but they are outside the true faith. You remain outside the places of worship, but the faith dwells within you. Let us consider what is more important, the place or the faith. The true faith, obviously. Who has lost and who has won in the struggle? The one who keeps the premises or the one who keeps the faith? True, the premises are good when the apostolic faith is preached there. They are holy if everything takes place there in a holy way. You are the ones who are happy. You who remain within the church by your faith Hold firmly to the foundations of the faith which has come down to you from apostolic tradition. And if an execrable jealousy has tried to shake it on a number of occasions, it has not succeeded. 
They are the ones who have broken away from it in the present crisis. No one ever will prevail against your faith, beloved brothers. And we believe that God will give us our churches back someday. Thus, the more violently they try to occupy the places of worship, the more they separate themselves from the church. They claim that they represent the church, but in reality, they are the ones who are expelling themselves from it and going astray. Even if Catholics faithful to tradition are reduced to a handful, they are the ones who are the true church of Jesus Christ. I don't think that I can state strongly enough we need to pray for Bishop Athanasius Schneider. I've never in my life seen a man whose lead I so ardently wanted to follow. I have never set eyes on a bishop I so earnestly implored that God would place upon the Petrine throne. What would it be like to have such a man as our Pope? A man who speaks with clarity, with reverence, with piety, with humility, with devotion, and with courage. His voice is clear, it is unequivocal, and most of all it is faithful to Christ. He is a beacon in the storm that's no longer coming. Right now, it's bearing down on us. Even as I speak these words into the microphone, the sky outside has grown dark and the wind is battering the trees. It was a beautiful morning not that long ago. There's an ominous portent in the air. We need to pray also for the Pope. We need to pray that his heart will be moved to protect and preserve the Church and her teachings. You know, he wouldn't be the first Pope who was expected to capitulate to the world and then instead was converted to the mind of the Church. History has told us that story before. We need to pray, obviously, also for our bishops, particularly those who are finding themselves in the position of having to challenge their fellow bishops and even the Holy Father himself. Bishops who are beginning to recognize that they may have been called by God to lead in a time of great turmoil in the church, confusion. Pray that they will find strength, that they will find courage, that they will find within themselves a love of God that is stronger than their desire for prestige and esteem and influence, and that they will, in a very literal sense, be willing to lay down their lives for our Lord. The battle is here. In the coming weeks, I predict that you will notice that the conflict is taking shape more and more in the public eye. There will be more discussion in the news media about the possibility of a split within the church, about factions, about schism, about internal battles and power struggles. We're on the cusp right now of a historic moment for the church. 
we need to all pray that we will be on the side of the angels, the side of our Lord, the right side of history. Back in a moment. You're listening to the One Peter Five Podcast. So I'm not really sure what we were thinking when we booked this guest, but on the phone right now, I have Satan. And it's really awkward. Why is it awkward? Well, it's a Catholic show. I'm a recovering Catholic. (laughs) Um, You're not laughing. Yeah, well, I mean, you? No, seriously. Heaven is the most Catholic place you will ever go. It's worse than an Italian grandmother's house. But the Pope said there's no Catholic God. (laughs) Who is he to judge? Am I right? (laughs) Hmm. So anyway, we kind of had a hard time booking you uh, to be on the podcast. Yeah, I've been redonkulously busy. Mm -hmm. I literally have to be in a hundred places at once. My damned work is never done. I see what you did there. I've just never had so much business. I'm not sure that's Don't a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. It's a good problem to have. Can I ask you uh, about some things that are going on in the world right now? Shoot. That's why I'm here. Am I going to get honest answers? Do you know who I am? Fine. I'll risk it. I'm just joshing you. I've got nothing to hide. It's not like the old days. We pretty much run things right out in the open these days. I've noticed. It's really refreshing. I guess you could say we've broken the brimstone ceiling. <laughs> I can't. I cannot believe you even said that. You have no idea how many things started out in hell. Puns, not least among them. Also, Snuggies, Zamfir, <laughs> Ho-Hos, Pathios. That's really awesome for you. You have no idea. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Yeah, you're awesome. That's great. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say so. So I'm very curious to hear what you thought about the <clears throat> excuse me about the Whoops, extraordinary a little bit of my awesome stuck in your throat no actually but thank you for your concern anyway i wanted to know what you thought about the extraordinary synod on marriage and family loved it seriously i don't usually go for vatican meetings they're always looking for ways to cramp my style this time though i actually got an invite of course you did from who i'm not one to kiss and tell but i'll say this his name rhymes with Schmardinal Schmasper. You do the math. I don't. I don't even want to go there. I just. I mean, I'll just ask another question. What did you like about the synod? What was not to like? I don't know. I heard they had some nice, reaffirming language about marriage and you know those struggling through difficult situations. Did you see how that got left out of the English translation? I l o l'd. Everyone was freaking out. You know who was responsible for that? This guy. That's who. I was totally screwing with all of you by leaving that in there and then messing with the translation. Everybody deserves to have a bone thrown to them once in a while, if only to confuse them. But I figured you needed to work for it. Thanks. Hugs and kisses, man. You want some water for that burn? Why am I even doing this interview? (laughs) Look, it's a commonly known fact that people just can't get enough of me. Yeah, keep telling yourself that. Anyway, Bishop Schneider. Why would you say that name? You promised you would never say that name. While you're at it, why don't you just give me a nice paper cut and pour lemon juice on it? You're a New York Jew now? I'm everywhere you want to be. But I wasn't kidding. I hate that guy. Miracle Max? Humperdinck. Gah, I mean Schneider. D-Y-A-C. You have autocorrect? Oh, uh, 
I invented it in case it wasn't obvious. That strangely explains so much. Anyway, yes, I have autocorrect. Angels, even fallen ones, communicate telepathically. I'm using telepathy to speech. Still working out the kinks. Anyway, Bishop Schneider. Dude, get over it. Shut up, man. You can't make me. I can. I, I can make you. It's my show. I can just hang up the phone on you. Fine. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be okay, our protection okay, against off. the wickedness and slayers of the... Jeez. Can't take a freaking joke. May I proceed, please? Can I just... Can I ask the question? It's your show, crybaby. Do whatever you want. Thank you. So as I was saying, before I was so rudely interrupted... Bishop Schneider made some pretty bold statements in that interview with Polonia Christiana. Perhaps he should tread lightly. Yeah, okay, Heisenberg. I'm just saying. He's messing with my man, Marx. Carl? No, Cardinal. Same difference now that you mention it, but still. Okay, back to Schneider for a second. He said that the Synod will remain for future generations and for historians a black mark which has stained the honor of the Apostolic See. <laughs> Mission bum 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 accomplished. So you really were happy with the results though? Are you kidding? It's the best thing that's ever come out of that coven of old bishops. Wait, what did you just say? Ha ha bishops. I said bishops and you know it. Come on. I'm just checking. It sounded like you said something else. Come on. This interview seriously can't end soon enough. It's no wonder that you wound up getting kicked out of heaven. It's a sore spot, okay? Leave it alone. Do you have another question? Yes, actually, and it's going to start with a reference to your favorite person. And by that, I don't mean you. Bishop Schneider said, This is the first time in church history that such a heterodox text was actually published as a document of an official meeting of Catholic bishops under the guidance of a pope. Stop, stop. You're going to give me a bigger head than I already have. Pretty sure that's not even possible. Whatever. Anyway, Humperdinck is right. It really is unprecedented. Unprecedentedly awesome. I'm this close to pushing them over the line and taking indefectibility with them. That's a tough nut to crack. I've been trying for a really long time. Speaking of indefectibility, what do you think about Pope Francis? I'm sorry, but human resource matters are strictly confidential. Yeah, you're hilarious. What are you trying to say? Can we just talk about something else, please? Nobody knows what team that guy's on. Okay, fine. Do you pay attention to American politics? It would be fair to say it's a hobby of mine, sure. So, what did you think of the midterm election? Oh, no. The Republicans won. All my plans are foiled. Whatever shall I do? The country is saved. Woe is me. Yeah, so I can tell you're pretty uh, broken up about it, huh? Let's just say the River Styx is overflowing its banks with the influx of all my many tears. So let's talk about your hundred years. How much of it's left? Mm, I'm sorry, my what? You know, your hundred years, Pope Leo's vision. I'm sorry, I'm not no, no, the St. Michael no, prayer. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. Just not. Not. I, I can neither confirm nor deny that this story is accurate. And what about Paul the Sixth mm-hmm. saying that the smoke of you mm-hmm. had entered the church? Yeah, well, he should know, right? <laughs> He's the one who opened the back door. Nice guy, though. Exceptionally poor decision maker, but but really nice guy. Okay, here's what I want you to explain to me. Okay. 
Felt Banners, yep. and Lord of the Dance. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of a regal guy for the universe's ultimate True. villain, right? Yep. So how do you stomach making those things and in, mm. inflicting them on us? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Basically, the bottom line is sometimes you got to take one for the team. And if it hurts you more than it hurts me, that's the important thing in my book. So that's pretty much that's how that happens. All right. Well, I am pretty much out of time and patience. So thank you, by the way, again, for the the felt banners and Lord of the Dance. And oh, you're welcome. Glad tambourines and uh, yeah, those are good. really everything. Everything in the post-conciliar church I'm super mm-hmm. appreciative for, and I just wanted to thank you it's for that. But yeah. Before I let you go, is there anything else that you want to add? Well, let me think. How about this? Just some advice for you Christians, you Catholics. Just remember, if you don't sin, you're not human. Wait, what? You kind of have to caress your conflicts. I don't know what that means. See, Jesus likes it when you tell him, this is my sin and I will sin again. I don't think he does. Those sins? No. I mean, if you think about it, they're in his body, they're in his soul. What? His soul. No, they're not. And that's what he came for. No. No, that's not. What? You keep talking, but nothing you're saying is making any sense. So you're confused by what I'm saying? Yes, I'm confused. Like I said before, mission accomplished. You know what? Just get off my phone. I'm sorry about that, everyone. I don't know if there could be a more obviously bad choice. Then interviewing Satan on a Catholic podcast. I don't think we'll make this mistake again. Uh, I'm done. You have been listening to the 1 Peter 5 podcast. This has been a production of 1 Peter 5 Incorporated, copyright 2014, all rights reserved. Please remember to visit us online at www.1peter5.com. That's www.1peter5 all spelled out, all one word, dot com. You can join our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash 1Peter5. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash, you guessed it, 1Peter5. If you feel we have provided you with something of value, please hit our donate page and make a contribution. It not only helps pay for web hosting and the fine content we provide, but keeps food on the table, coffee in our cups, and the lights on, which really helps us see what we're doing. Until next time, I'm Steve Skojek. Thanks for listening.